So, Rebecca, I have this clinical situation that I want to run past you. It's really interesting. It has to do with a patron who wrote in and she was really upset with her therapist about something. And she actually gave me her email exchange between her and her therapist. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts on the matter is. Let's talk about that. What do you say? All right. I'm very curious. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a professor and a therapist. Hi, I'm Rebecca Bloom. I'm a licensed mental health counselor in Seattle, Washington. All right. So this is from a patron. Hi, Kirk. I thoroughly enjoy your podcast and I've geeked out many an hour listening to you and the gang in my car. I'm currently in therapy and my therapist recently advised me that I had PTSD, which she admitted she had known for three years. The session after, I asked why she kept this information from me for three years. I wasn't prepared for the bizarre response which I received. At first, she denied that she had stated this, which surprised me. Then she admitted that she had indeed said it last last session. When I pressed for clarification, she stated that I was hung up on this detail. I told her I was fine with the PTSD diagnosis, but I was not fine about keeping this information from me for three years. I don't know why she withheld this from me. I believe I could have used this information to make a better informed decision about my self-care and treatment. I left the session very frustrated. I told her it was all bullshit. I felt powerless and patronized. My trust in her was broken. She's been an excellent therapist. I trusted her until this happened. I assume that her slip and the bizarre response I received was due to a fear of admitting she was wrong or that I'd make a formal complaint of some kind. All I really wanted was an apology and an explanation of why she withheld the information. Could you do a podcast on this? And then I wrote back to her. I said, yes. And, no, no, this is actually just my notes. This is not an email to her. <laughs> the note was yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, Kirk, self, Kirk, I still agree with you. Yeah, Kirk, say yes at this point. <laughs> yes, in today's episode, we're going to discuss this in detail. I'm going to read a continuing email exchange between the patron and her therapist. They went back and forth for a bit. Uh, spoiler, it doesn't end well. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the ethics involved and the standard of practice uh, involved. Welcome to the Psychology of Seattle podcast. This episode is just for patrons of the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're not a patron of the podcast, this episode will end before the content begins. If you want to hear the full episode, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Patrons get access to all the premium episodes on their phones or on the Patreon page. All right. Welcome back, people. Welcome to the patron zone. All right. So I emailed her and I said, uh, well, this is just a summary. I gave her some possible reasons for why the therapist withheld the diagnosis. I I thought of a number of different possibilities as to why a therapist would do that. And I suggested she rebuild her relationship with her therapist since she valued her so much as a therapist. They've been working well together for three years. And I told her I thought it would be a tragedy to just throw it all away over this what seemingly kind of side issue. She emailed me back after the next session. She said, hi, Kirk. I requested another session and she told me she didn't have anything available and that she'd contact me if she had anything available. This is something she has never done before. She would normally provide a few options of times. 
So I sent a long-ass email saying I think she's avoiding me and that I feel punished for asking the questions I did and expressed my feelings of hurt, anger, and disappointment about that session. I ended the email asking to have my feelings acknowledged and understood as well as asked for an apology. I stated I'd like to apologize for my part in the whole thing as well. I I felt so much better getting it off my chest. It was cathartic, actually. I'm not great at expressing my feelings, so it was a good exercise. Then the therapist emailed the patron back and wrote, and so this is, you know, the patron sent me a copy of the email. (laughs) It says, I understand both from our last session and your frequent emails and texts that you are still very angry and upset with me as your therapist. I am noticing that your anger is not diminishing, and in fact, it seems to be increasing. I have genuine empathy and regard for how you are feeling. In my professional opinion, you have done excellent work in psychotherapy to date. However, at this stage, working with me is no longer benefiting you. Therefore, I believe you should seek assistance from another clinician who may be better placed to provide you with the appropriate help. I have listed below three referrals that I think would be suitable for you. It is important that you please be mindful of therapy boundaries and please refrain from sending me emails, texts, phone calls, or arriving at my office unannounced. Kind regards. Then the the patron responded to that email and said, it sounds like you feel unsafe and that I have upset your boundaries. I am sincerely sorry if my anger made you fearful or scared or if you felt unsafe in any way. I am so sorry. If it's any consolation, I stopped feeling angry at you pretty much after I sent my email. It was cathartic. I was able to articulate and express my anger, I thought, constructively. I just wanted to be heard, acknowledged, and understood. I want you to know I would never turn up if you, turn up at your office unannounced. This is the last I will contact you unless you wish to speak with me. Although last week was a tough week for both of us, You've also been very kind and patient with me over the years. I'll always be grateful to you for this. Rebecca, any first thoughts on this? Well, there's something wacky going on. I mean, I've gotten in these situations with clients where things are going wrong and you're not quite sure. Um, I, I always tell my clients what I have diagnosed them with or what they're thinking. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on you know, is it because you feel like a client is too fragile or you're unsure of the diagnosis that you wouldn't tell them? Yeah, I, well, I can't remember exactly the reasons I brainstormed, but, you know, it's actually not I, – I, too, tell my clients what I diagnose them with right away. I actually will even collaboratively work with them and say, like, does this diagnosis – here's – you know, I'll, I know the diagnosis off the top of my head. I mean, one, I don't get – severe mentally ill people. So the diagnoses tend to be, you know, a set of 10 different diagnoses that Mm -hmm. are very common. And so I'm pretty good at assessing for it quickly and, and also explaining it to people. But, but you and I are actually, I believe anecdotally anyway, it's actually rare for clients to know. I mean, one of the things that I will say to people in the first session is in order for us to bill your insurance, I have to I have to provide a medically necessary diagnosis. Right, I need the same. And 
the clients will say, but I used my insurance with my last therapist. And mm. I said, well, then your last therapist diagnosed you. Do you know mm-hmm. what that was? And they'll be like, no, I didn't even know that they did that. Now, it, I think things are changing to some extent, but a lot of clients will tell me that they had no idea that they were even being diagnosed. But, mm-hmm. I, but I tell them, you undoubtedly were diagnosed if you're using insurance because there's no other way around it. And so... Um, so I think it's common. And I, I so I, I think with some therapists, they, they, you know, say it's, you know, PTSD. Um, I can imagine or say, I don't know, I, I can just imagine a lot of different reasons. One, a therapist might feel not might not feel very confident in, mm-hmm. in, you know, their diagnosis. They also could not think it's relevant to the therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot. And I agree with this, that the the core issues involved in my therapy with people, uh, it, they're not likely to be totally in line with the diagnosis, if at all in line with the diagnosis. And so the diagnosis sometimes is a peripheral issue. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she, you know, the therapist could have been treating PTSD quite overtly, but just not telling her that it was PTSD that she was treating. Maybe mm-hmm. she thought that the client would get upset. Uh, maybe... It was just an hypothesis that she might have PTSD and she needed more time to confirm that, although three years seems like you would know by then. Um, maybe, you know, some therapists don't really diagnose. They're not comfortable diagnosing people. And so mm-hmm. they, they don't really, they don't talk about it with their clients because they don't believe in diagnosing people themselves. Um, but but often therapists just don't know how to diagnose. They don't know how to talk about it with their clients. And so they just kind of avoid it, do you know? So I, I think that, those are possible reasons. But to me, that's kind of, so that's how this fight began. But to me, the more relevant parts are the things that happened after that. Because right, I can have something abs- going on about communication. and Right. So what are your thoughts on that, that the exchange from that point forward? Well, clearly something's getting, something's getting triggered in the therapist and we don't know what. So you uh, detect that, that something's getting triggered in the therapist. Well, I think so. I mean, it just sounds strange that after three years, this information gets brought up, and then very quickly the relationship falls apart. Right. Like, what's happening there? Right. Um, yeah, I and mean, I, go ahead. I've been reminded recently <laughs> about uh, that people aren't always truthful with their therapists and don't always tell them, don't always tell their therapist all of the relevant information, or it can take years for that information to come out. So maybe that clinician was waiting for something to be revealed or some specific thing. Um, but for things to fall apart that quickly, it sounds like something's getting triggered. Right. The, the you know, relationship ruptures, they happen. They happen frequently. And I get a lot of emails from listeners about this very thing. I, people will have some sort of relationship rupture. And I find that uh, there's like a pretty good chance that the therapist is going to react badly to that re- relationship rupture. Um, I always assume therapists are going to do well with it. And I'll advise clients to, oh, well, go back to your therapist and have a session mm-hmm. and, you know, hash it out, you know, and y- your therapist will likely apologize to you because therapists know better than to be prideful about such things, you know. And yet, you know, it's frequently the case. Now, I have had emails from clients or from patrons saying that they absolutely have wonderful therapists who react very well to relationship ruptures, which always warms my heart. But 
But it's one of the main tenets of the therapeutic relationship that a relationship rupture is going to happen. It's if you're going to engage, especially in years-long therapy, if you're going to engage in a deep, meaningful relationship, there, especially if you're the kind of therapist that likes to kind of get involved with your clients in terms of a back and forth, then there are going to be minor to major relationship ruptures. And they're wonderful opportunities for therapy to occur. For, for this client to tell her therapist how she felt about it and to assert that is a wonderful step in her growth. And how wonderful of a therapeutic moment could it have been if the therapist would have said, I am sorry that mm-hmm. I withheld this from you. I, I'm here to tell you I did not do it you know, maliciously. And upon further reflection and, and talking about it with others, I think I'm actually insecure about diagnosing people. <laughs> it's not a strong point of mine. And so when I... You know, when I when it came out of my mouth in that one session, I immediately regretted it because I didn't I didn't know if it was time to talk about that with you. And so that's why I've just been so weird around this. But you're right. Like, I, I sh- you know, I either should have told you three years ago or I should never have mentioned it <laughs> because I don't mm-hmm. care about diagnosing people. You are you. The diagnosis is something I think about whenever I look at the treatment plan, which is pretty rare, you know. And so I, I'm treating the whole you, you know, but but I am so sorry that I came across like I was deceiving you or, you know, I handled that all wrong. And, and I'm sorry for that. Imagine if she had said something like that. You know, it's just right. like, okay, yeah. great. Put it, you know, what a Moving wonderful on. therapeutic moment that the client will never forget that is an example of a, another human being respecting them enough to be gracious and giving and vulnerable and real and taking responsibility you know it's not like the therapist when i in that little role play is groveling and saying i'm so sorry i'm a worthless person you know it's not that it's like just be real you know there's probably a logical reason why it was so awkward and weird you know it's it's probably not that the therapist was like trying to trick the client (laughs) you know it was probably just some snafu that happened of some sort and just be real, you know, and, and that's that's the beauty of therapy. I love it when I make mistakes and when the client tells me. I love it because it's like, awesome. I now get to prove to you that I can apologize, that I can take full responsibility for something I did. It's it, I'm just like, it's a gift to be given the opportunity to apologize. I love it. Um, and it's rare because clients rarely feel that they can. And so when they do, I absolutely capitalize on that. Any thoughts on that, Rebecca? Yeah, I love I love to make mistakes. I mean, if you think of everything that's going on outside of the therapy office is going to repeat inside, it's probably, for a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever been apologized to. Right. Um, so it has a lot of... Uh, it can be really... A great experience for the client. Um, You know, it really makes me wonder, like, what else is going on in the session? So, like, has this therapist had bad experiences with clients with a PTSD diagnosis in the past? Or 
Now, kind of what's getting played out yeah. here? Yeah, and I, I'm going to get to that in a in a second. But before that, I just want to say, having said all that, you know, all therapists they totally have the right to refuse service if they feel unsafe. If you know, if you it, the, the the therapist, there seems to be some indication that the therapist felt afraid of this client, and. I always tell therapists, look, if if push comes to shove after consultation and thinking about it, by all means, terminate, you know, and, and refer them to someone else. You don't have to sacrifice your mental health uh, for this job, you know. And so so if when we don't know the full story, but if there was, you know, adequate reason for this therapist to suddenly terminate, then by all means. So there there are cases where I will absolutely endorse that kind of behavior you know yeah it's really hard on the client though to just to know right. that yeah absolutely um, and and it's something i've deserve... only done like twice in my practice right it's very rare i mean the chance of a, of a client just you know becoming that much that scary you know I'm, I'm i'm i can only think of one time where a client did that with me and i've had thousands of clients and he he terminated. I just sort of coached him to terminate from me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, did, I was just like, sounds like you think I'm not really a good therapist. Yeah. Da, da, da. And I was like, well, sounds like you probably want to not work with me anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, OK, <laughs> it also seems like you might want to end the session early. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but that's essentially right. what I did. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, let's terminate. You know, uh, I'll send you over email some other names. He's like, okay, well, blah, you know, and then he walked out. And then I was just like, my God, please get out of my office. But anyway, um, and that's out of thousands of people. You know, it's just a rare. And he was, you know, legitimately mentally ill. But um, I want to talk about what seems to be the therapist paranoia. <laughs> the therapist seemed paranoid that the client was going to stalk her or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can imagine being afraid, but I don't see the justification in her drawing that boundary with her. I, I don't well, see... Well, she's getting really legal really fast. You well, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she's kind of in cover-your-ass territory where she's just, like, you know, sending one of those emails so she can chart that she set that limit with the client. So if anything goes any further, it's already noted that she set that limit. I mean, that's what I hear in that language. Well, and I also hear, like, I'm going to tell you what's up, and and this is what's going to happen. You know, you are not going to contact me, or I don't know. But it's like, I don't see why it's necessary to insult the client of that. You know, like, what what was the point in, in saying, because it sounds like the client never came to her office unannounced, you know? So it's like, why would you include that? Um, so, you know, uh, it, it seemed more like an aggression toward the client, like some kind of purposeful, I don't know. Like, I absolutely know and have been there before where you feel afraid from a client and you feel angry at the client. And, you know, you want to tell them what's up. And this this email kind of sounds like that to me. It sounds more like... She's reacting herself. The thing that I completely, you know, without any information, I'm speculating, is that the therapist might have PTSD herself. In right. in the way she reacted, it it seemed, you know, reactive. 
mm-hmm. we're not there, we're not her, and you know we always have to take people's one-sided story with a grain of salt. But it it seemed to me that uh, the the therapist uh, overreacted and got upset and became paranoid. <laughs> anyway, so what's the bottom line, Rebecca? What's what's the advice that you have for there's a, there's a lot of just starting out therapists who listen to this podcast. So what's what's yeah. what's the advice? I mean, I would say you know really get consultation, really make sure you're doing things right. I mean, I've noticed with a lot of beginning therapists, the feeling is you know get this client away from me right away. It's like well maybe there's some learning there for you, or like you think you're gonna get rid of this client, but the same client's gonna come <laughs> right back around, and you're gonna have to learn how to deal with it sometime. Right. So. Um, you know, maybe as the therapist, sit with that uncomfortableness um, and try and figure out what the learning opportunity is there. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, totally agree. Um, the bottom line for me is the therapist should have just apologized. Like I said, it's it's a central uh, good therapy thing to do. You apologize, you process it, you're, you, you're humble, you're, you know, helpfully vulnerable it's okay to make mistakes and also like you said get good consultation around this because I, I, i'm just if this story is accurate if she i'm guessing if she would have consulted someone would have been like well let me look at those emails because i'm not quite so sure if you need to say that in there you know mm-hmm. um as therapists when we're in the midst of a situation like that n- no one will see the situation clearly and consultation is always helpful. You know, me and you and other colleagues will always consult under those circumstances. It's it's so great to get another person's eyes on something, you know. And some therapists are too afraid to be vulnerable in that way or they don't have a network of people they can talk to or they, I don't know, there's just a lot of reasons that even, you know, for myself will avoid consulting. And I just say, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I just consulted on a case recently where I was trying to get rid of the case, and my friend was like, "No, you have to keep it." And here's why. And I was like, "Oh," <laughs> but it was good advice. Yeah. So now I'm digging in deeper and dealing with some issues I don't really want to be dealing with, but yeah. I just is part of what I signed up for. Yeah. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself. Because you're going to look good doing it.